1: Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. As Villa fans prepare for their second FA Cup game of the season, a feat that hasn't happened particularly often in years gone by, I am afforded the chance to sit down and pick the brains of my favourite Chelsea fan, Louis Beneventi. How are you, mate? I'm not bad, mate. Thank you very much for
2: having me. Appreciate it. No, it's,
1: it's good to have you on. Now, let's get straight into it. Villa through to the FA Cup fourth round for the first time since 2016. And Chelsea, obviously, fresh off the back of reaching the League Cup final, winning winning 6-1. How are things
2: over at Chelsea at the moment? I mean, it's, it's a fairly mixed bag, I think it's fair to say. Um, first, I'm actually very surprised by that stat about Villa because I was literally on our preview pod saying... That my memories of you guys in the FA Cup are you're actually quite good. But the first time you got past the third round since 2016 is um well something that hopefully can play into our favour. Um that surprised me. But I mean at, at Chelsea, I mean it's 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 been a weird season, I think, in in terms of expectations and, and things that haven't gone our way and things that have. It's it's just been such a mixed bag that I I don't know how to describe it to you. Um, statistically, definitely been a massive improvement. And I think if we'd had a, a lot of players that we could have had to begin the season, obviously, Reese Change is perennially injured. Ben Chilwell has only just come back. We've had Christopher and Kunku for about 25 minutes. Um, but actually, do you know what? I think I did the maths on this the other day. I could have watched The Godfather and Christopher and Kunku would have only made it about three quarters of the way through so um you know i th- I think that's that's a lot um so, in terms of key injuries we've been we've been struggling, but you know overall it's been um been positive, I think, but you know by a lot of people's standards, I completely understand why they might see Chelsea as a team, which is uh troubled at the moment because on the eye test, as you very well know i I love the eye test me when it comes to my football um it's it's not beating as as good. Um, and there's been a lot of mistakes along the way and there will continue to be so whilst, uh, the ownership of the model they do. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one where with such a young squad, um, we've done okay, but it has been infuriating at the same time.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Reece James, and obviously his absence has has really hit you hard. Obviously, club captain and has played barely any minutes. I think you probably played more minutes at the Molyneux last season than than James has this season. For for people who don't know, obviously Louis was in attendance for the charity game at the Molyneux, where we managed to raise. Loads and loads of money for Mind Charity and it was a great day and we're hoping to repeat that feat, hopefully sometime this year.
2: Um, you left out the most important bit where we won, right? Let's, 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 let's not, let's not leave that there. Obviously, you know, Mind Charity, that's great, but I mean, we won. I'm joking, (laughs) by the way joking but i know people have a, are very delicate now so you know that was a joke don't don't hurt me
1: the only reason i didn't mention it is because i've probably mentioned it too much on this podcast and when people hear it again obviously i was captain you're the, so you know, you're like, the
2: same as me I, every, you know, I have to every single up, yeah. week every single week it's like did you know i managed that molyneux yeah we fucking know louis like, <laughs> yeah, excuse I, I, me. I was catching at molyneux i did I, <laughs> <sorry>, I must have <laughs> forgotten
1: about that anyway back to the back to the tale at hand before we get before we get sidetracked, um, yeah, you said about your expectations so far and how it's sort of been a mixed bag. You sit ninth. Where, where mm-hmm. did you have you? What would you have described as a successful season at, before a ball was kicked? Because obviously, League Cup final, that's probably going to be your main focus now. And if you win that, it obviously mm-hmm. changes the
2: whole narrative. So, where do you stand so far? I mean, I, I kind of predicted us to finish eighth. I I didn't, I didn't think we'd, we'd rock the boat. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's Chelsea football club, you know, that they've got no European football. They'll definitely finish top four. It's like, well, no, it's not the same club that it was even two years ago. You know, if you, if you look at the summer, we shift out a lot of players again. We brought in more new players. So, I mean, actually, I think if you look at the team that played Middlesbrough the other night, I think Ben Chilwell and Conor Gallagher are The only ones pre Todd Bowley, I'll have to double check my maths on that. Yeah, yeah, they were the only ones pre Todd. But Atiago Silva, so you know, there's there's three players there which are which are pre Todd Bowley. One's 39 and on his way out, but it's you know still one of the best centre halves in the league. Um, obviously, Conor Gallagher came on as a sub, and and Ben like I said, has been out all season. So you know, this has been a, a whole new team, and. The overall structure's completely changed in the club. So behind the scenes, you know, you have to sign a waiver if you want to get a pencil in the marketing department. You know, every, everything's completely changed. So Chelsea Football Club as a whole is is a different beast. And, you know, if you look at the season we won the league when we had no European football, you still had John Terry, Gary Cahill, uh, you had Nemanja Matic, you had N'Gailo Kante, you had some fantastic players in that team, which were top drawer and top quality. In fact, a lot of that team had won the league two years prior. So, you know, if you look at this side, it's a completely different beast. But, you know, I, I pegged us to finish eighth, but then a lot of people, you know, thought I was insane for that. But I, I kind of like to look at my football quite logically. Um I think, you know, if we're talking about surprise packages, obviously you lot have been unbelievable. So, you know, there's that. Um But I think for us, it's just been, I, I kind of expected us to be where we were, but I didn't expect it to be as painful as it has been.
1: I love everything you said, and we will get back onto it, but I'm going to have to take you back to that wave of comics. I think people will be very angry if I don't bring that up. What do you mean?
2: Okay. So, it, I mean, basically, obviously behind the scenes, just as a club, Chelsea, obviously, is very much like, it, it was very cutthroat, but it was run smoothly. You did under your job, you went out. Under Roman. This job, got out of the day, whatever. It's genuinely, the boys like, you want to get a pencil from the stationary cupboard? Okay, I've got to sign this really okay like this is what we're doing here right okay and just like the, the whole culture within the club has changed massively um from better or for the worse depends how you look at it it's 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 become more american i think is the way i'd like to describe
0: it and, and what, so, do you, what
1: do you think of that what's your per- what's your personal opinion
0: i, I am yeah, really I,
1: pushing you here but you know this is sort is of in-depth analysis no, that we don't usually get on the
2: podcast. yeah i, I mean i i there are certain things where you think it could be for the better long term. But currently it's the detriment. And it surprises me that a man or the men in Clear Lake Capital and Todd Bowley and Bedag Bali, right, who have made billions have come into the business, right? Because it is a business at the end of the day. It's exactly how they're looking at it. We were very fortunate to have the owner we had in Ryan Abramovich where he was only really in it to win the trophy. So he just did whatever he needed to do, which towards the end, in fairness, was a detriment. But then you look at it and you sort of go at that time. So 2021, 22, 21, COVID just completely screwed my whole perception of time. Um, You look at it and you go, okay, well, Chelsea's obviously running itself. It's pretty much in a position where it can do what it needs to, but it needs a few tweaks. But they've come in and gone, yeah, all of you, were going to change absolutely everything in the first two months and still expect the same results. And then you kind of sit there and go, well, hang on. If you did that at a paper factory where you need to sign waivers, right? That wouldn't work. So I know it was a very different business in itself, but at the same time, it's common sense and logic. And that is something which I do think is lacking significantly right now at Chelsea football club across the board. So, you know, it's why we're kind of looking at the situation. They're talking about their whole portfolio and, and players in the future and we're building for the future and et cetera, et cetera. That's all well and good. But if you don't also build for the now and have that successful protocol put in, then everything you do in the future, where you're looking at your projections and all of this isn't going to come because you haven't got the foundations in the first place, which is why I don't understand some of their logic about, signing 12-year-olds, rather than getting a team that needs seniority in it. You know, we we was talking about, obviously, carrying and Benzema potentially on loan. Obviously, I know his wages will be an issue, and I'm sure, you know, any club in the Premier League right now is looking at that, who has the money, obviously won't have the same amount of money as the Saudi clubs, but they'll be going, oh, do you know what? We can probably do 50% of his wages. We can do 20% and they'll subsidise the rest, whatever. Chelsea are looking at going, now, do you know what? We're going to sign John Duran. Now, all, all due respect, I'm sure he's a, a great player, but he's 12th, right? Um, um, he's, we, we've got we've got enough of that. We don't need any more of that. What this club needs is some players with pedigree, with experience, which can bring up the level of the players that are already there and are young and need guidance. Now, right now, it's it's the blind leading the blind, and it just makes no sense.
1: I love that you've mentioned John Duran. Obviously, very popular. Maybe mix his opinions on this podcast. Hold that thought because we will come back to it, I promise. However, you know, I'm a very strategic person, a bit like you, so I've got to make my way through my notes list for now. Um, You mentioned the season so far and how you're kind of where you sort of expected to be. Now, it's only January. A lot can happen. There's still half of the season to be played. What are your expectations for the rest of the season? How seriously do you reckon you'll take the FA Cup? Are you are you confident about the League Cup? Obviously, League is probably priority,
2: but what, what would your expectations be? What would you class as a successful season? Very good question. Well, if we're just going to do the maths, because I know a lot of people don't do that, they kind of just look at the games and then go, all right, cool, we're just going to win this amount of games and everyone else will drop points and we're guaranteed to finish sixth. Like, well, no, it doesn't work like that. Right now, if we carry on the same way we are, we'll finish 7th, 8th, probably, right? So we'll hit about 60 points. If you look at what 60 points has got over the past five, six years, that's that's kind of the bracket you're sat in, unless everyone's been incredibly poor. However, all the teams that I said definitely get more than 60 points right now, I feel. Um, So for me, I think the League Cup is probably the most important thing right now, because that is our way into Europe. Um I'm sure teams will fall away and won't do as well, but, you know, right now, I'm not looking at that. I'm just taking it a game at a time, um, which is what it really should be right now. Cause we can be amazing one week and we can be shocking another. Um, so for me, I'm literally only looking at Friday. I'm not looking past that. You know, if we do well against you guys, we get through, I think it sets a benchmark and I think it does show progress because a big thing for us is when we've performed amazingly. So I, the Middlesbrough game and I appreciate Middlesbrough, the lower half of the championship, But at the same time, as much as they were naive and trying to play out the back continuously, we had hunger, we pressed, we went for every pool and we were clinical, which is not something I could say about us a lot this season. Um, I think that we need to show up against you guys, get the job done there, then we assess. Um, Because we've got a very, very tough run coming up in February and March, uh, including that League Cup final. We've got Spurs, we've got City, we've got Newcastle, uh, we've got Brentford away. I know Brentford haven't been great this season, but Ireland Tony's now back. So, you know, completely different kettle of fish. And hopefully he plays well because then we can sort of look at him and go, oi, he's got a year left in his contract in the summer. Can you look do something about that, please? Oh, he's 28. He's too old. Shut up. Go get it done. Uh, it's very simple. Um, but you know, I think that, you know, for me, a successful season is just improvement, but significant improvement. Um, In terms of our output already, you know, we've scored double the goals. We've got more points. We're looking stronger, and that's with a significantly weaker team and what is practically a completely new team. Um, So, for me, it's just taking a game at a time. Uh, And as much as I've been annoyed at some of the results and some of Poch's tactical, uh, I mean, mediocrity, or in some cases, I mean, obviously, I know he's been worried about height, Obviously, we've loaned out Ian Matson now, but when he was available and playing for us, he refused to play left-back at left-back and force a centre-back He wasn't comfortable into that position for you know, the sake of height in a team. Well, you know, if you're going to do that, I'd appreciate you want to put in your system of a four at the back, but if you've got three centre-backs or five centre-backs, make it a three, play him as a wing-back, try something different, get through the season. But obviously, that's not what he wanted to do. So, you know, it's certain things that were that, that annoyed me. But, you know, for me, just... I just want to have constant improvement. We've played well against teams that are far more open against us. You know, Arsenal, City, Liverpool already this season. We've proven we can go toe-to-toe with them, but that's because they're more open. When it comes to play against teams which are defensively sound, that's when we fa- face an issue. So, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. But for me, it's it's just a game at a time, get through it week by week, and then squeaky bum time in April. That's kind of what I'm looking at.
1: Brilliant. And yes, you, you bring up Pochettino and some of his decisions. Now he was someone that was closely linked with Villa when we obviously sacked Stephen Gerrard, which now feels like an, an age ago. And I, I was one that was, was calling for Poch at the time. It was between Poch and Emery. And I, I must admit, um, as, as stupid as I may seem, I'm, I'm afraid to say I'm not perfect. I was calling for Pochettino. Um, how would you say he's
2: transformed the side in the time that he's been there? I mean, I wouldn't say he's transformed the team. I, 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 I think he's no, not really. I, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think obviously the, the numbers speak for themselves, but I don't see any tactical nuances in that side. I think the first time I saw it was against Middlesbrough when you saw this, you know, his old BL suppress and all that sort of stuff, but. I've not really seen anything from the footballing side, which gets me excited. Again, I I hate using injuries as an excuse because obviously Chelsea is supposed to have a deep squad and people go, you've spent a billion. Yeah, we spent a billion on Dross most of the time or building a portfolio for five years' time, like investment banking. Um, It doesn't work like that. But, you know, um, I I think a lot of the nuances you, you hear about are behind the scenes. You know, it does seem like a much more positive atmosphere. There has been a step up in in quality in terms of attitude. I think if you if you remember rightly at the end of the season, see Frank Lampard, I'm not saying he is an amazing coach. Um he had a very good first stint with us, which I think goes under the radar quite a lot. But since then the first six months at Everton was great. After that, again, He was at a club in disarray. He then comes to Chelsea, quite frankly, as a PR stunt because Bowley had seen that Graham Potter and the boys do well, doesn't wash. Um, And he brought Frank Lampard into the end of the season, just sort of tied everyone over, give some vibes back. And unfortunately that wasn't the case, but he did talk about how the standards have dropped at Chelsea from a mentality perspective. Now kind of leans back into the, you know, pen and waiver comments where, the issues of changing everything in five minutes doesn't help the situation. So Pochettino's come into a situation with Paul Stanley, Lawrence Stewart, Boley, Igbali, you know, this recruitment dream team or whatever. And, you know, he's he's trying to fit into Chelsea and and build something. Um, But, I mean, I've not seen anything where I've gone, wow, so he's done this breakdown, he's done this, he's done that. And listen, as much as I... Love my football. I, I like to keep it very simple. Uh, you will not catch me being a Twitter tactico because most of them do my head in because they talk about stuff they don't understand. Um, you show anything they say to an actual football coach and most laugh at them. Um, especially ones that I've sat down with who manage Europa League clubs. That was fun. Um, so, you know, I, I think that overall I've not seen a, a massive difference on the pitch but I do think that could be down to the fact that it's just been so much change and it's just, it's, there's, it's, 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 it's been a, a lot to take in at Chelsea over the past 18 months. It's, you kind of just, you have, you blink and you miss something. Um, but I mean, it remains to be seen. I, I think, like I said, the, the numbers speak for themselves and people say, well, you know, if you talk about change and positivity, well, there's definitely clearly changed down. Yes. Granted. But again, like I said, you know, you've got stats, you've got the eye test, you need to marry the two together. If I look at the eye test, not so sure, but we'll see. We'll see. Again, like I said, Middlesbrough was the first time I saw we actually looked okay when we actually played left-back at left-back and that made a difference in the game. So I'd I'd love to see him with a a full-strength team, but, you know, if he gets to that point, which I think he will mainly because, one, they're talking about projects, and two, I do think for me, either way I like to operate is if there's a problem, don't just moan about it, come with a solution. So, you know, when people go, it's crap, get him out. I'm like, okay, what's your solution? Hansi flick. Okay. Well, is Hansi flick going to come in and fix the situation straight away? Well, he's an elite manager. He's got an elite mindset. Yeah. But the problems are far more deep rooted than that at Chelsea. So is it worth making that massive change again and throwing it up in the air when we're already in a strange situation? Um, so, I mean, we don't, I don't know. I do worry about some of his comments. And I know I know I'm answering your question. I'm giving you a lot here. Like I I don't I might be answering other questions and I do apologize. But, you know, that first leg after Middlesbrough, I <laughs> I wasn't particularly happy uh considering, you know, they didn't <laughs> play great. They were poor. And then we just missed a load of opportunities. So the story of last year basically where we missed sitters and obviously football's a game of fine margins um but at the same time the levels of quality in the two teams on paper we were vastly superior they had a breakaway goal we fell asleep we lose 1-0 and i appreciate there's still another 90 minutes to play but when he's going oh you know we, we we're still another 90 minutes you know we'll see what happens like i don't know what everyone's so worried about i'm like you don't and, okay this that was the that was the the whole spursiness which i think a lot of people were worried about kicking in when you hear him say that's like Potch, mate, they're, they're lower off the championship. and they, they ain't all that. Like, what, what are you talking about? And the quality on the pitch should dictate that. But, you know, there, there are elements, I think, where I do think his mentality does need to shift. I appreciate the culture at Chelsea's changed, but the DNA remains. This is a club where you, you should be set on trying to win things. And I appreciate it's a different process now. And I appreciate that they're doing things differently and it'll take longer, but you should still go on the pitch, but we are Chelsea football club. And that's not me trying to be a castle and Liverpool fans of years gone by where we deserve to win things. No, no, no no one deserves to win anything, but there's a certain standard set. And like Frank Lampard said, if you let those standards slip, you slip down the table. So I think Chelsea will be in the wilderness for a while. And I think Pochettino will have to see, but you know, it's a, uh, it's an interesting situation, to say the least. There's, there's, I, I could go on about this for hours.
1: I must admit, I'm, I'm quite shocked by your answer, to be honest. Before, before I brought it up, I was, I was debating whether to make a tongue in cheek comment that um, last year, uh, wins at the Molyneux, Pochettino zero, and Beneventi one. But I that mean... is,
2: that is still, that is a joke I make continuously. I am the most successful manager at Molyneux from a Chelsea standpoint for a very long time. <laughs>
1: But wow! I mean, I mean the way you talk and the way you address the problems. I think it's it's very difficult for a neutral to almost look at Chelsea and go, "Ah, oh, they spent a lot. They're still failing. Ha 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 ha." You know why? You say they that, but a lot successful? of people still do it because they're idiots. But like, it. I mean, how you talk about them? This
2: this doesn't seem as though it's going to be a quick fix. No, it's it's not. Um, there are certain things which I, I think could address the fix quicker because they're talking about five years, six years, seven years, when reality, the longer you spend waiting whilst other teams fix themselves, the worse you get. And I I just look at, even though I know Newcastle are in a state, you know, whether Ashworth remains there or goes to Manchester United, we'll have to see. But, you know, if you look at their model, right, and obviously – <laughs> the irony of the situation is we were in a far better position than them, right? But they went in, they went, right, this team needs an injection of quality, injection of youth and an injection of experience, right? Bruno Gimarash, Kieran Trippier, Izak, and for the hell of it, let's chuck in Danburn, right? No, you laugh, but I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on this, right? Experience, quality, Kieran Trippier, one of the best right backs in Europe, Athletic, i reached Champions League final with Tottenham, one choice had let it go, England right back, experienced the quality, understands the Premier League, s- sorted. Bruno Gimaraes, exciting talent, Arsenal were out to get him, a great player, proven his worth, aggressive quality, a great Premier League midfielder. Isaac addressed their striker problem. They signed Chris Wood at the same time, because, you know, why not? But, you know, they brought in Isaac because he was a player who, had change quality, maybe not so much at Dortmund, but in Spain had been fantastic, had great potential pedigree, and they put the money down, they got him. Dan Byrne, all right, you laugh, but he's a Geordie boy, who understands the club. He might not be the best, but that experience and that mindset he brings from being from Newcastle really helped a lot of players bed in where others weren't there and there was no understanding of the culture. And, I mean, he might not be, he might not be a player who is the best, but it will give you six, seven, and eight out of 10 every week. Now, that's granted, in, they're in the situation they are now with FFP, right? But that's mainly down to the fact that they didn't qualify for the knockouts of the Champions League. If they qualify for the knockouts of the Champions League, I think it'd be a very different conversation. But it is what it is. That was maybe not the most intelligent, but if you're looking at it from a purely footballing standpoint, fantastic additions to a side, right? they propelled themselves up the league into the Champions League places last season because they're intelligent with their signings and they tweaked it slightly, the culture slightly, did different things slightly. They didn't go and change everything and flip it on its head. Now, Todd Bowley comes in at Chelsea and he gives this whole spiel about, you know, one of the best in class and got the best, this, the best, that, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, he wants to do a multi-club model like Man City and Red Bull and, and develop it that way, right? So he brings in Christopher Vivell from the Red Bull Network. He was at Salzburg as a technical director. He brings in two fellows from Brighton because he's got some sort of fetish for anything Brighton related. Um, in Lawrence Stuart and Paul Winstanley. Stanley. a funny one because I've spoken to coaches at football clubs that have worked with him and Their words, and it's verbatim, and I know I've already sworn a couple of times, but I apologise for those. But these ones, this is verbatim, right? They went, how the fuck did he get that Chelsea job? There was three of them that said that to me, all of them. And I was like, oh, okay, right. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) So you sit there, and then you go, Todd Bowley's obviously absolutely murdered the first transfer window with some of those sign-ins. Massively inflated, no understanding the market, surrounds himself with agents who every single and say, go get this guy, he's great, and, you know, a little bit of extra money in their pocket. He screws up He goes, right, January you're going to do it differently, right? Um, Vavelle comes in, recommends Christopher and Kunku, recommends some really, really good players, right? By July, he's left because no one's listening to him, apart from Nkunku, and he's gone, mm-mm. Not interested in that. We're now left with Paul Winn-Stanley and, and Lawrence Stewart, who granted a lot of the sales this summer, fantastic. Some of the purchases, you're going, why, why have you done that? Why have you done that? <laughs> right? Moises Caicedo, we could have got for 70, 80 million. And we kept putting it off. Well, obviously, Tony Bloom was very intelligent with how he handled that because he knew Chelsea was going to do something stupid and wait for Liverpool to get involved. And then we obviously pay overpay because they couldn't get the deal done. We then signed, obviously, Romeo Lavia was a Joe Shields one. He was obviously a scout at Chelsea. Now was at City. He got brought us Cole Palmer. He brought us ron Lavia. I'm excited to see more of Rony Lavia. But again, 19 years of age, very young player. Look great at Southampton, but still very raw. And then a lot of it is we're going to sign this three-year-old from Peru. He'll come join us two years' time. We'll sign this fella from the MLS. We'll sign this player from here. And you're going great. We've got one of the youngest squads in the league. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you look at the portfolio. It's like, yeah, hang on, mate. It's not. It's not. It's not career mode. Okay. Don't go on SoFIFA and look at their fucking potential and tell me that they're going to be good in a few years' time when also we have to fix issues we've got right now. The only leader in that team, for me, like actual out-and-out leader that you think about is Thiago Silva. He's 39. Like, he must feel like he's running a crash. He's going to be gone at the end of the season, which could be horrible because he's one of the very few players. And I talk about uh, Dan Byrne, right? Him, Conor Gallagher, Reese. Maybe Chile. I'd say that only four that really get it. But Reese has been spending more time with Bupa than he has on the training ground. Same goes for Ben Chilwell. Gallagher, I appreciate, isn't to everyone's taste. But he's worked hard this season. He's I mean, one of our best midfielders. But he looks like he's going to be on the way out. And to be fair, if you'd asked me in August, I'd have probably said, yeah, I'll take a fee. Um, but right now, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I'm not saying he's someone who should be starting every week. I don't think he is, but I think obviously we had injury issues. But he's also someone who I think is a damn burnesque figure, a player which understands the club, understands the culture, understands what you need, sets the standards, and goes from there. Um, I do feel that uh that needs to be done. But then there's there's certain things. Ivan Tony's is my dream centre forward signing oh, but he's 28, why spend an extra £30 million and get Victor oshimen Yeah, let's take out, you know, the sexy names, all that sort of stuff, right? Victor Oshman has had a pretty decent season in the City. So did Romelu Lukaku. So did most players that come from there. You Can you tell me one player who's come from the City and set the world alight in the Premier League over the past few years? Because you've got one in your squad right now, and he's bang average, and he was bang average at Roma as well. So, you know, I'm not going... No, not really. Like I appreciate that, but I don't want to spend another 130 million on someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Get me someone who knows what they're doing. Ivan Tony there's your Isaac signing. Enzo Fernandes, Moises Corsedo, overspent, massively, agree, but there's your Bruno Guimaraes signings, those young players. It's the certain intelligent things that need to be done that are just refusing to be done. And I don't get it. I don't get it.
1: You mentioned the signings and, we, we've spoken about how, from neutral point of views, people can look at all the money that you've ended up spending. Can you just explain to people who maybe don't have a broader knowledge how we've seen it with Everton, we've seen it with Forrest, how FFP is getting involved, and clubs are perhaps more scared now than they used to be, how Chelsea have spent just as much as they have done, and their name doesn't seem to be coming up in conversations yet. What could it lead for for the future, and that, how are they doing it, basically?
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Well, I know it won't come into conversations because we've sold £1.2 billion worth of player, hence why we managed to spend so much. But that's conveniently left out by a lot of people. It's fine. It's all good. Again, not saying that's yes, Just in general, I feel like that. And we haven't spent a billion. We've spent about 830 I don't know, it's like... People are saying, oh, only 800 a day. Yeah, no, it's stupid the amount of money we spent on some of the players we have, but we spent that. They then stretched out massive long contracts, which means it gets played across multiple years. And also, the club's new strategy, I believe, is to actually sell. So, players like Cole Palmer, who've been performing fantastically for us, if someone comes in with a tasty offer, they'll sell. So, Chelsea are basically going to, their aim is to churn out players. And a lot of it as well, if you look at some of the players who sold, Mason Mount being a key one, another. Is why they're looking to offload Trevor Chalabar uh, offload, Armando Breuer offload, Conor Gallagher, is because it's pure profit because they're academy players. So Chelsea are also looking to offload a lot from there as well. And that's why they've made a lot of money. Uh, a lot of it's saved on wages as well. Kula Bali, Edouard Mendy, Ngalo Kante. All these players went to Saudi. We saved a lot on that as well. Um, hence why I don't think we'll face any issues unless we just go and decide to spend £750 billion in the next three minutes, which I don't think we will. So, you know, this is what I mean about Everton when Frank Lampard was there. It's a very poorly run club. Um, and obviously he talks about that. And again, there's, there's, I've heard from multiple things behind the scenes about how that's run. And it's a, just as much of a mess as Chelsea, if not more. And obviously we've seen the cross owner and how he treats Nottingham Forest and he's insane. So, you know, that says everything you need to know. Hence why those two are in trouble and we're not. Yes, I get it. You know, there is a thing where it protects the bigger clubs who spent money before FFB was in place. But without sounding like a dickhead, and if we're going to be brutally honest, it is going to be like this, tough shit. I'm sorry we got bought out in 2003. I can't rock it. We didn't predict the future. We made the investments, did what we did, is what it is. You know, you've got to play the games of the rules out, and that's exactly what we're doing. Now, we
1: mentioned earlier on about John Duran, and I told you to hold that thought. We've talked about your transfer policies and your thoughts on the age profiles that you're going for. Now, John Duran, for me, having seen him at Villa Park, is a really exciting young player. You know, he's raw, he has bags of potential, but he is yet to break into the Villa team. And I think that's partly the reason that we're hearing murmurs that he wants to move away for more regular game time obviously still really really young at the very start of his career he fits into the exact profile that you that you have mentioned about Chelsea going for and that
2: one that you're perhaps not too happy about what are your thoughts of being linked with him bollocks that's 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 what i'd say quite simply bollocks it, it just makes no sense i, I like you've got Nico Jackson, right? You've got Armando Breuer. So they're going to go, what we're going to do is we're going to sell Armando Breuer. And then we're going to sign someone who's even more raw to replace him. Despite the fact that we've all seen with our own two eyes, including my mum, who doesn't even watch football, right? (laughs) Go. Should they just have some older people in there to help that team? It's like, well, yeah, obviously, right? It's like, it's, 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 it's insane. And I like, again, appreciate great young player, whatever. I'd rather we make the mistake of not signing in now and spend £150 million when he's 28 and banging in 30 goals a season. So would I if
1: he's still at Villa. Yes, please.
2: Yeah, obviously, of course he would. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I, there's. it makes no sense. It, I don't get it. The whole profile is like, we're doing this to do that. It's like, they're only doing it because they want to sell him on. It's like, you know, the amount of players that they've had, this this window alone right? This window alone, I think we've recalled three or four loan signings because none of them are getting minutes and none of them are good enough. Hey, no, but they got bags of potential in the portfolio. They're going to do really well. Shut up. You idiots. It it doesn't work like that. They aren't numbers on a spreadsheet. They're not good enough. And I appreciate Like I said, John Duran's raw. Great. We've got Nico Jackson for that. Get me someone with quality. And I lost my voice this week and you're now making me get angry and it's making (laughs) my voice start croak even more. And it's doing my head in. I don't get it. It's it's just, but there when Stanley should go, no, it's great. It works at Brighton. Yeah. All due respect, Brighton were in league one about 10, 15 years ago. And they've only just become a decent Premier League side. Now, even then that's, you know, going to be touch and go. They're just doing what Stoke did a few years ago. They ain't going to be sticking around for long. They're 400 million in the hole. Like do me a favor. Like, bring it down, shut up and just, oh, it's, it. Uh, yeah, again, great. Good for him. Glad he's got potential at the beginning of his career. Don't care. I really don't care. <laughs>
1: Now, now for our audio listeners, I'm going to move swiftly on before Lou's head explodes in front of me. <laughs> um, now we'll move on to the fixture earlier on in the season. Obviously Villa have already played at Stamford Bridge this season and Villa came out victorious 1-0 on that occasion. Now. Yeah, questionable result that. I, uh, let's not talk about it. You're already angry enough as it is. <laughs> I get the feeling that we will be playing a very different Chelsea team. Now, first of all, with the lineup. i would be interested to see how you think Chelsea will line up for this game. Cause obviously with the Tuesday, Friday turnaround, it seemed as though you went pretty much full strength on Tuesday against mm-hmm. Borough. So I'd be interested to see what you reckon the lineup will be. But also I I think there's, you've mentioned all the deep root problems, but I think there's a different mentality at Chelsea now than there was when we visited Sanford bridge late last year. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that.
2: It feels like it. It feels like there's been growth. Um, like I said, numbers speak for themselves. Certain games you've seen the team dig deep and to get a result. City at home, looting away. You know, we've seen that. But then again, at the same time, the game against you, game against Forest, game against um, uh, Wolves. You know, there's, there's, there's been loads of games where it's like, okay, well, games that we should be winning and we're not doing it. That worries me. Again, I'm not saying we should win against you because, like I said, at the very top, you lot are fantastic at the moment. So, you know, and I, I expect a pretty strong team because you, know, you played two games this month. Um, in terms of team, we'll be fielding. I think a lot of the key players have pulled off when we were like three, four nil up. So I, I expect pretty much full strength again. I think my thing is, I'm unsure whether it will be quite an industrious midfield against you guys. Uh, so whether it be Conor Gallagher, Enzo, and Caicedo, or if it will be a bit more creative, which is kind of what I hope. Um, we, we did our predicted 11 in the preview. So I'll give you what we said. Um, so we went, obviously it'll be probably Geordie Petrovich or Geordie, you know, Petri dish as we like to call him. God bless biology and chemistry. The worst lessons I've ever had at school. Um,
1: I, I can second that as well. Yes. I was, I was <laughs> awful at science. Still am. Oh
2: no. <laughs> So, yeah, no, no good at that. I was no good at anything, really. Uh, apart from actually, media, a a as well. Yes, yes my, my A-level results sound like an STD, but I've done all right, so don't worry about it. There's uh, there's blessings for people out there. Um, left back, we've gone, Ben Chilwell. He'll probably get about 60, 70 minutes, so hopefully he'll be decent by that point. Centre halves, Levi Cole, Will, Thiago Silva. Again, amazing what you can do when you have a young, promising player who everyone wanted, who sees really good and you're playing in his actual position. It's actually mesmerising when that happens. Um right back. We think it'll be DeSassi, but if it isn't him and he's actually fit, you'll see Mal Augusto, who's been extremely underrated this season. Fantastic deputy for Rhys James. And to be honest, if Rhys James's injury is carrying on, I'm I'm looking at going, he's a very capable person, to step into the shoes. Um like I said the midfield uh might be in touch might be creative. We're hoping it'll be Enzo Caicedo, Caicedo came off, so he might not play. Uh so he will play, sorry. Um, then Cole Palmer in the ten, who definitely in the conversation with of the season, absolutely fantastic for us. Um is the one player you know what, this is gonna be a very, very uh interesting comment. I might raise a few eyebrows. Are you about
1: to give us a headline for the podcast? Is this gonna be our title?
2: Cole Palmer is the most exciting player I've seen at Stamford Bridge since Eden Hazard. Really? Mm -hmm. Can I think of exciting
1: players that have been at Stamford Bridge (laughs) since? I mean, there's there's
2: been some, there's some good ones. I mean, but since Hazard, there's, there's been no one that gets a team by the scruff of the neck, but can also do it so gracefully. No one. Wow. He he is. He has been fantastic so easy on the eye, so clinical. You can tell he's played under one of the best managers that football game's ever seen. You know, he's he's fantastic. And City, you know, City fans are saying to me in, in the summer, you know, we were great getting rid of him, but it was only because Pep's hand was forced. They're like, you can go out on loan, he needs to be sold. He's like, okay, well, I'm not going out on loan, I'll be sold. You know, he's he's up there and he's, he's fantastic. Um, yeah, it'll be him. And then, uh right wing I'll go Noni Madueke. Again, a player which you know, I look at, at last season and I looked at the Brentford game when he was so poor and I was I, I didn't really see the hype. You know, last season the only reason people loved him so much was because he was a player who was doing the bare minimum when others weren't. Um this season he stepped up massively and he's he's been great. So I, I'd start him he deserves it especially after that goal against Middlesbrough. Uh, Centre forward under Breuer, purely because there's no one else. Uh, and uh, left wing, uh, was it was a toss-up between Sterling and Mudrick. So he played a game of rock-paper-scissors and picked Mudrick. Um, only, I think Mudrick's obviously, again, a very raw player. Hadn't even played a full season of football before he played 80 million for him, which is always a bit worrying when people do that. Uh, Arsenal going to do it as well, but they dodged a the bullet. Fair play to them. Um, but you know, I, you could see a lot of promise with Mikhailo Madrick, but he needs a lot of coaching. Um, his feet are faster than his head. So it's kind of a case of, you know, we'll see what happens, but there are moments of magic, which you see his table against Liverpool and even the game against, um, Middlesbrough last week. There's a few times he cut inside. And I think, you know, having someone that pacey on the left wing up against what I'm guessing will be Matty Cash or Mateusz Cashkey, whatever he wants to call himself. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it will pin him back a bit more. It will mean that he won't get forward as much, hopefully. I'll give him something to worry about. So, you know, I'm hoping he can do that and and step up. And, you know, that's that's the team we expected. But, you know, he likes to throw a spanner in the works, Potch. it might be like, I don't know, we've got this young centre-forward called Ronnie Stutter, so he might play him. But, you know, I, I wouldn't mind that because he might score a good, 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 good goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: nice so, so, so you you mentioned your model and just how good you think palmer is but with that model you know you said earlier you wouldn't be surprised if you were sold on it just it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me um now you've mentioned off the um you've mentioned off the pitch sorry you've also mentioned now on the pitch what you expect Our our podcasters mainly villa fans so how would you sum up what to expect from Chelsea on the pitch on Friday? How how would you expect them to play? You lot like to sit deep, don't you? Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, um, we'll pass. we
1: we play a very very high line, so it's sort of. Oh, do you? It, oh. It's it's in the midst. Yes.
2: Okay, well if if that's if that's what you're doing now, then uh, yeah, we 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 can get in behind you. So we'll put a ball over the top, and you know we might well. I'd like to hope we would. We might be a bit more directive in getting behind. Um, but then, if you see a bit deeper, which I know and Omar does like to do in some bigger games, you'll see a chess side. Instead of going from A to B with a pass, go from A to Birmingham, <laughs> hop on the Chilton Railway, come back down to Wembley, get off, take the Bakerloo <laughs> all the way to you know Amersham or wherever or Harrow, then get on a taxi, go to the airport, get on a flight, go to Ibiza have a couple of drinks come back get a taxi get back to Stamford bridge and then make the pass to b so um it depends i i couldn't tell you what team to expect i I'm, I'm i'm a natural pessimist when it comes to football um hence what my 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 very simple coaching style as you know which is <laughs> keep it solid keep it simple don't fuck it up um,
1: <laughs> i think those were your exact words in the room, they
2: literally room <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got in a huddle and i was expecting a really in-depth analysis and he
2: was like let's a striker put it in the net keep it out of ours <laughs> pretty much because we didn't didn't know each each other. now we know each other a bit more it's like okay, i don't know what we're capable of i'm thinking <laughs> of three at the back this year if they let us if they let us come back
1: Ah, oh, well we've been in contact haven't we and it's in the works let's put it that way if it's uh, the ball is, it, is rolling. is it
2: is it
0: i've the not ball, heard shit the,
1: the ball is rolling in terms of another match so yes maybe this time next season we'll be coming on saying we've won two games at two Chelsea oh, will probably fun. have had four I, new I, managers I, I, by I then won. and spent another billion pounds. Yeah. So.
2: But then I, in, in three years' time, I wouldn't mind being able to do that and then do the old
0: three fingers. Very <laughs> yes. uh, yes. good. Respect! <laughs> um,
1: right, I'm yeah. going to switch the narrative. We've talked a lot about Chelsea. I'm going to turn it back onto Villa slightly. Um, we have you, to see. Unfortunately, this is an Aston Villa podcast. So yes, um, you've mentioned how, you know, we're the surprise of the season and that we're doing really well, currently sitting in fourth. I'd like to know your thoughts on Unai Emery and how you think that he's transferred us because it's always nice to hear from a neutral point of view. So it's quite easy to get carried away with a club like us who, let's let's put it real, were underperforming under Gerard. Unai Emery comes in and works miracles and we, he's got the league talking, you know, we were and I do think this was stupid earlier on in the season being talked about being in the title race. However, that switch from where we were under Gerard to Enri is just night and
2: day. So to get a non-Villa fans
1: perspective on the job you think he's done can be really enticing.
2: And Monchi. Don't forget Monchi. I found out you got in the other day. I was like, Oh, okay. Makes, makes sense why Enri is there now. Um, cause I see those two, are you know, best buddies at Sevilla. Um, so look, I- I know you're saying people are getting carried away, but enjoy it, get carried away. I mean, look, I, I appreciate and I say surprise of the season. I I I don't see you doing the same thing two, three years on the bounce, all due respect. If you do, my I main amazing. But I, I just think that you know, the the way you guys are playing and you, you know, the you're just getting the job done. But you're getting the best out of a lot of players as well. I mean, Ollie Watkins I always knew was I thought we was sort of a decent centre forward you make him look like a world beater at the minute. You no, know, John McGinn somehow I know I see him more frequently than I used to. I'm guessing he's not been injured as much, you know, stuff like that. Matty Cash again making him look like prime Lucas Pishek and for that Dortmund team in uh 2012 13. You know, it's 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 I say Lucas Pishek. Uh <laughs> um but you yeah, know it's it's I look I, I think you guys have been fantastic. Um he keeps it simple. He's a good coach. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. I, I do think about Power Torres As much as he's had a good season, I do think he's a player, which is uh, probably the weakest point of your defensive line. So I'd be... I'd I would disagree lot. with you.
1: I, really? Yes. From from a Villa fan's perspective, the games that he's been out injured, he's probably our best passer of the ball in the team. Without him,
2: we, we can't break through... In that transition, that's, that's great, but I'm not, I'm not talking about in passing, mate.
1: <laughs> when we have that ball in defence, we are a completely different team with Pau Torres. He will be able to get it up to Watkins. We'll be able to move because Emery's Emery's play is all about transition. Get the ball from defence to attack quickly. Catch the opposition out, and without Pau Torres, we we really struggle to do that. Our I would say our our weakest link at the moment is probably Matty Cash. You mentioned you mentioned Piszczek, and I like the Poland reference, but. Uh, yeah, at the moment I'm going to have to going to have to stick up for Powell here. I,
2: I, I get that. I mean, but I mean, Power Torres is a player which I think he uh yeah. I mean, I I, I my, my my opinions are never popular, but they're usually right. 9 yeah. times out of 10, 3-4 months down the line. And this is so, the one out of
1: 10 I'm afraid.
2: Ah, uh, we'll see.
1: <laughs> we'll fair, we'll see on Friday night.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh mate, the season's long. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, I... I I think you know. I, I do think he, as much as he's great on the ball, and you know, I, I do think a bit of physicality. If I'm under Brewer, I can use it. I think he might struggle because we've no. seen that. Yeah. So um, yeah, that makes sense. But I th- I look, I'm, I, I, I hope we can t- we target those areas. Then hopefully, the scouting team have told Mikhailo Madrid to make some runs at Matty Cash because you know like, it, the thing is, like you talk about your, his, his weakness there with Mikhailo Madrid. People can say, oh, I was James Milner at the Liverpool game, but I've seen him so many times this season, right? Take on a fullback, get past them, put the ball in a great space and there's nobody there. But because it's not had anybody there and it's not gone back of the net, you don't see it. If he is told just to take him on, honestly, he he, he can, he can have him for breakfast. Not saying he will, because again, hit and miss, but he can. So if the right Mikala Mudrick turns up, or Mickey Mouse, I like to call him, and hopefully he can uh, take advantage of that weakness that you talk about then. Now,
1: this is my favourite part of the podcast. We're getting into the last three questions, and these three questions are the same throughout every episode, and they are my favourite, because some of the answers you just just don't expect. Now, the first one, normally we don't have a manager on here with winning pedigree, so this might be slightly (laughs) different. My, My question to you is if... On Friday morning, you wake up in some alternate universe Mm -hmm. and you wake up as Unai Emery. You have Mm -hmm. the knowledge of Louis Beneventi, but you are Unai Emery. So you will be Mm -hmm. standing on that touchline. Knowing what you know about Chelsea, how would you set up that Villa team to go and win the game? Apart from obviously dropping Paul Torres, in your opinion.
2: Well, the first thing i do in my team talk is say good evening because I'd love to be able to say that as Unai Emery because that would just be absolutely unbelievable. So good evening. I am a set Um, I think if you play on the front foot against Chelsea early doors, it does scare them. This ain't, this ain't the same Joseph club of 10 years gone by. You know, if we, we, you usually start early and then drop off. Right. So you can go aggressive. And I think the first five minutes you do that. But then after that, you let Chelsea have the ball for 25 minutes and just, you know, set up the deck chairs, boys, (sighs) Get yourself a bother off. It's cold. We're going to sit here for 25 minutes and wait for them just to just get bored. And then what you do is you just say to Ollie Watkins, he's going, Can you just stand on the halfway line, please? Yeah, yeah, you feel no worries, boss. Go, cool, go, right. uh, John, can you just absolutely thunder it down that left channel, please? And he'll run onto it and he'll score. Yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, fantastic. Cheers, mate. 1 0. Right, cool. Set up your cheers again, boys. Uh, again, Seb it's Beneventi ball, right? That's exactly what we do. When we come up against the side, which are far more intelligent than we are, and know each other better. What did we do? Four, four, fucking two, no messing about. Kept it (laughs) simple. When everyone got tired, you made the changes. You keep it simple. No messing about. You do that against Chelsea. They overthink because they're all toddlers. So, you know, you do that and you win the game one nil. You go home with a trophy. Obviously not in this case, we did, uh, but yeah, basically, um, Montel, she was playing on the wing, wasn't he? So basically, oh, just, just knock the ball long, just like we did to Montel. That's it. Center him get the ball off you go. Bang, see you later. Sit deep, hold your shape, keep it simple, no messing about. Done. That's how you beat Chelsea. But the viewers listening,
1: can I just say, we had kick off. And bearing in mind, we had met each other 15 minutes prior to this match kicking off. <laughs> I get past the ball from kickoff. And instead, normally in that situation, you'd go, keep the ball. Let's, let's pass it around the pitch for 90 minutes. You know, we're on a Premier League pitch here. Let's visit about, see what we're made of. And who he goes, fucking launch it straight to the corner
2: flag. <laughs> no, that's, the of rules. You know, that's what you do at a kickoff. There's, there's logic behind this. You watch a Premier League game and people do do it, right? You get the ball for the centre mid, and you launch it into the corner, and then you press into their half, and then you make them do all the work. It's exactly what we did. I mean, and they got we won. shattered. We won. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> Have you still got the trophy? Ben just got it. He's still not giving it to me. I'm livid. Uh, we, I think, <laughs> I, I remember it was we broke
1: the trophy actually. So maybe yeah, ben. it's yeah,
2: don't it still counts, isn't it? I think he's getting <laughs> yeah. engraved.
1: Yes, yes. Wow, we need a new one for when we win. This year, anyway. So, um, anyway, we're, we're mentioning the match again. but us keep getting sidetracked <laughs> by this match. It's, it's nice having I, I get, told, else I get told to
2: shut up all the time when I talk about it. So it's nice that someone else can talk to it about. <laughs> now, score prediction for this one. I
1: hate score I predictions.
2: Them. I hate that. I'm going to force your do. hand on this one. No, you're not. You're not going to give me an answer to all. Nope. Nope. I don't do score predictions. I can't. It's my... It's my. I've got two superstitions when it comes to Chelsea. Or three. I never right. bet on Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I never give a score prediction and I always go through the turnstile on the far right-hand side of the left corner of the Matthew Harding lower. Right. That is my three things. That is literally, I I, I can't I cannot do it because it, whenever I give a score prediction, it goes tits up. Okay. Well,
1: you know what? I'm not going to push you then because it fast tracks to my favorite question of the whole entire okay. podcast we always end the podcast on a non-football related question, which gets passed down from each guest on the okay. podcast. So the question for you today is <clears throat> if you could only listen to three albums for the rest of your life, what would they be and why?
2: Do you ask that? That's a fucking boring question. <laughs> um it's good though. It's be boring, but good. It's very, very, very good party fodder when you don't have a clue how anyways. Um shit oh my god he's on the spot now isn't he hang on i'm gonna have to call me spotify (laughs) um i see i'm not sure i think one would have to be am purely because i think it's probably the most perfect album released in the past 15 20 years nice
1: i can get behind and
2: that's purely because they've done nothing good since the arctic monkeys or it's been questionable uh, so that'd be one. I normally do it by tracks. So like one of my favorite songs ever, which I will listen to is the day I die is called. It's busy earning by jungle. So I might probably have to take that album, but then also there's West Rider Pauper lunatic Asylum, by Kasabian. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll have to do that. See, I, I operate by playlists because that's kind of like, do you know what? I'm going to go through. I'll go through that, and I'm going to be really boring, and I'm going to, have a, I'm going to cop out, right? So I'm going to do AM. Uh, I'm going to do West Rider Poor Balloonistic Asylum. And I'm never going to listen to Busy Island again because I'm just going to pick the next album which came on by, most recently listened, and that is the Defamation of Strickland Banks by Plan B. That's one nice. of my three
1: favourites. Nice. What an answer! What an answer! Now, now. Now it's your turn to pass down. And because you criticised the last person, I'm expecting the best question to ever create the podcast. So no pressure here at all.
2: That's fine. I will give you the best question ever, right? You've got to write this down because there's going to be a few things you're not allowed, right? So in honour of my co-host Tom Masters and his love of cheese, right? Oh, yes. I like the route we're going
1: down there.
2: I'm going to ask the next guest, right? What their perfect cheese board is. But no cop out answers. Like I got, I just use my loophole. You know, no one's going to excuse theirs. Cheddar's not allowed. Mozzarella's not allowed. What's another really obvious cheese? Uh, I am going to say, uh, that, oh, fuck it. Uh, Wensleydale isn't allowed. Right. I'd only, so no... I'd, I'd only need two. I'd
1: only need on mine. Or if you give me a plate of crackers with brie uh-huh. and red Leicester, I'm a
2: happy man. Red Leicester? Yeah. God I could tell, from... tell where you're from. Fucking <laughs> hell. <girl. laughs> right, what would yours be? Me? Well, I've I you know, I I can't use my cop hats, can I? Uh <laughs> so I would say cheddar, mozzarella. Um my cousin's Parmesan. <laughs> okay. and he makes it. The ricotta he makes, oh my god! See, I, I, I see, I'm, I'd be more of an anti-pasty man. I would just literally go to my cousin, get him to give me everything. It's fantastic. It. And Brexit stopped me doing that, bastards. Um, I, I'd go, yeah, probably, uh, ricotta, stracciatella, parmesan. Um uh, I like a brie. A brie's nice. Yes, I've I've a good selection. Um. Goat's cheese is lovely, really nice goat's cheese. And I had one at Christmas to so my mate's dad's a cheesemonger and he gave us like this truffle goat's cheese. Oh my Christ. I was transported somewhere. It was fantastic. Um but yeah, it'd be an anti so that'd be a lot of like, you know, Parma Hams, you know mortadella. Good mortadella's good. I mean, nice. that's that's next level. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Blimey, I've already had my dinner as well want I don't want to cut nightmare
1: right what is the time the time is past my bedtime so the plan for me tonight is to go and get some cheese and then go to bed however before we do so you have got exactly one minute and i will start the timer on my phone you get the chance to promote any social media any podcast you sell yourself to our audience are you ready yep on your marks set go
2: so basically, if I haven't given you enough talking already and you don't think I'm funny, then this ain't for you, but that's fine. You can fuck off. Basically, if you want to come listen to the Chelsea Echo podcast, uh, you get more stuff like this, where you get excellent football in-depth analysis from myself and Tom Masters, my co-host, where we talk about Chelsea, chuck in some other stuff as well and give you some random football news. Apart from that as well, you can check me out on my socials, Louis Beneventi on Instagram, Louis underscore Beneventi on Twitter. And obviously, make sure you check out everything else I post because I also do other stuff. And if you need a haircut and you're in London come and see me because I'm also a barber by trade as well as other things. So come and get that message me on those social platforms and uh, come listen to the podcast. Cause we're fucking idiots. Cheers. Smashed it.
1: Smashed it. Well, thank you for listening. It's almost
2: like I've been doing this for a decade. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thank you for
1: listening. If you're a new here, make sure to follow us on Twitter at 7500 to HALT. Make sure to follow Louis at Louis underscore Beneventi and myself at Sebastian Bacon 8. Once again, thank you for listening. Enjoy the match and up the villa.